0: Welcome to Dead House, I am Dylan
1: And I've been dead the whole time
0: Yeah, People are going to forget what your name is, every intro is just...
1: I was thinking about that and <laughs> I came to the conclusion that it doesn't matter what my name is <laughs> If somebody's listening to this podcast, is, is knowing my name going to make any difference? I don't think so
0: They need to find you on socials to give you hate
1: I don't really have many socials, so good luck to
0: them Yeah, fair What uh, has your week entailed?
1: Uh, not much, not 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 much at all. But mm-hmm. I did finally finish Christine. Yeah, I know. Last okay. week I said I only had like one chapter to go, mm-hmm. but I finished that one chapter. Thoughts? Uh, it was good. I, I mean, I think I liked it better than the movie. That's probably not a hot take. Okay. Most books are better than the movies.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It. Uh, I felt like it was a pretty pretty faithful adaptation. They kind of, I feel, only got rid of the stuff they needed to. Mm. Obviously, they left out a lot but none of it was that important.
2: Okay.
1: I was a little sort of disappointed slash, like the ending was almost anticlimactic in a way, which I've heard a lot about Stephen King, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, like the whole how things resolve around the main character, Arnie. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I I think think it was better in the movie.
0: Okay. Yeah, cool. I mean, I very much enjoyed the film being a Carpenter fan and just seeing like the wide shots of the car on fire driving all the time. Like Mm -hmm. that was just Mm -hmm. sick and... Scene where it like fixes itself in reverse. Yeah, was cool. But I will, yeah. g- I will give it. Uh,
1: the The movie had the same problem. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a fucking story about a killer car. Like, <laughs> like that's all you can expect it to be. And yeah, I think, fair. and I think he does a good job of taking that wildly stupid concept mm. and actually making it a good read.
0: Suspending the audience's disbelief for <laughs> ninety minutes so they can actually enjoy your movie. Yeah,
1: it's like I don't know how hard is it to avoid a killer car. Just Go off some stairs, you know.
0: <laughs> and now you're reading The Bone Collector.
1: Yeah, man. I was I was tossing up which one to read, because I've got this one, and what was it, Sphere, mm. and I still need to read the second Lord of the Rings book. Yep. But this one looked the shortest, I think, <laughs> so I wanted, like, a, a shorter one before yeah. I got back into
0: Lord of the Rings. I do that, break up the long ones with, like, a Goosebumps book or something. Mm. I mean, but, I... Oh, you go.
1: And I love the uh, the movie, The Bone Collector, mm. which obviously is adapted from this book. So yeah. I thought, you know, I love the movie. Let me go back and read it and see what's different
0: Honestly, half the books I've read I've chosen because I enjoyed the film And like you said before Book almost always better than the movie So you can't really go wrong if you enjoy the movie I always struggle though
1: because it's like If I like the movie Then I don't necessarily want to read the book Because Mm. A, it could ruin the movie Like retroactively But also I I know what happens in the the movie And so I'm just reading the book With everything I, I know so also,
0: it's, it's weird I tend to picture whatever actor is portraying a certain <laughs> character When I'm reading the book And if it's, like, not a wise choice Sometimes that irks me Yeah, well, in this one, like, surprisingly enough The main character of,
1: his name's Lincoln Rhyme, uh, I can very much picture Denzel Washington okay. But it's because the way he portrayed it in the movie Based on the things I've read so far mm. I think I'm only, like, nine chapters in okay. But, like, he portrays the character very well Whereas cool. the female main character... I don't I don't read her as Angelina Jolie.
0: Yeah, she's got a very versatile range though. Like she's mm. played some varying characters. <laughs> oh yes. Uh I have had an eventful week really. Uh, we had a lot of flash flooding here on Tuesday, oh, yeah. and my work had to close. <laughs> Rocked up, got a park, and we got turned around half an hour later because I was one of five people that could actually make it in. Nice. Uh, so I went home and finished watching Boy Swallows Universe. Oh yeah, which uh, Netflix miniseries um, shot in Australia and based on a book by a Brisbane author that I very much enjoyed, and I highly recommend the show. It's uh, a good balance of drama and borderline horror, actually, in in some instances, but um, yeah, that was cool. And
1: it's in your own backyard, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. in the 80s.
0: Yep, yep. And then uh, the water drained away and I was back on the grind (laughs) the next day. Um, I also saw Grandson on Thursday. He's like uh, an American, I guess you'd call him like old pop punk rapper.
1: Okay, right. (laughs) Very cool stuff. Doesn't exactly sound up my alley.
0: Yeah. No, he was cool. He's actually got an incredible stage presence. And um, while I wasn't like super familiar with his entire like discography, very cool set.
1: That was really
0: cool to see. Uh, And then we caught up last night. We had (laughs) dinner with a group of friends. I had a a nice eye fillet steak. And uh, you had a a pepperoni pizza. (laughs) I
1: shared a pizza with my partner because we have a mortgage. Yes. Fair. Uh, yeah, it was good. What is it? The our monthly dinner that we get that we haven't actually done since like
0: October. It's probably. been a long minute, but like in our defence, you know, November you've got seven a birthday. birthdays. Seven yeah, birthdays. Yeah, November you have got birthdays. December's Christmas. January's just hectic because it's yeah. the New Year. So Gen-
1: January is nobody has money to go out to dinner.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we timed it all right. And anyway, today we're recording an episode on a film that's. Quite possibly the furthest from horror that we'll get on this podcast.
1: Uh well don't say that, you know. You who know, maybe one day we'll do
0: I okay, I got no examples to think of. Like... <laughs> Look we've done gremlins, <laughs> so and arachnophobia, who knows? Well
1: they're they're way more horror than this. Yeah.
0: But like, this is definitely like in the psychological thriller realm, mm-hmm. which I consider horror. Like I see horror as a big kind psychological
1: of umbrella.
0: No, uh, a bit of both, I think. No,
1: I don't think it's very psychological.
0: I think it plays with your mind.
1: Maybe your mind We'll get into that (laughs) later How about Once you actually tell people What you're talking about
0: Yeah, so Today we're talking about The Sixth Sense 1999 That might be a surprise To some people Given that uh, We pitch ourselves As a horror podcast But uh, I am a big fan Of this film And the director Big Abe Night Shyamalan fanboy directed this? What? (laughs) He wrote and directed this Because he is my man And uh, Look, a lot of people Dislike him For good reason, really, like his career in film is very hit and miss and when he misses it's like widely missed. (laughs) Yeah. Look at fucking Lady in the Water and Last Airbender, right? I
1: wanna put it out there, I don't dislike the man. I don't even know him. I just (laughs) think that in terms of like things that he's done and talent, Mm. he's got the biggest distance between his best movie and his worst
0: movie. Yeah. Like he,
1: he can he can throw out an incredible movie like The Sixth Sense, which was his debut, I think, Mm. right? No,
0: it was his third film, but it was his first
1: big one. Fuck me then. Uh, (laughs) I did my research. Uh, But then he can, you know, throw out The Last Airbender, which is the biggest pile of dog shit I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So, and then he has all sorts of varied movies in between, like movies that have interesting concepts, Mm. poorly executed, or ones that have, you know, mediocre concepts, well executed.
0: I agree. To be fair, like... So he had The Sixth Sense followed by Unbreakable Signs and The Village, which contrary to popular belief, are some strong films back to back in like a maybe six to eight year period Mm -hmm. and possibly even less. And when you look at a lot of directors' career in film, it's generally one for them, one for you. Sure. So you do one that's going to be successful And then they trust you with the budget To do what you want to do next yep. um, And he's kind of just done what he wanted to do From the get-go And largely worked to his favour uh, But then, like you said Hella dipped when you had You know, Lady in the Water And Last Airbender And After Earth And things like that mm-hmm. But he did peak again With things like Split Which I thought was awesome mm-hmm. um, And a recent return to form With Knock at the Cabin Which wasn't half bad
1: Yeah, that was it was okay I, uh, it's co- to compare it to a lot of his other recent stuff. Mm. It makes it good, but then to compare it to yeah the older stuff he used to do, it's like well he's yeah he's definitely doing something wrong still.
0: Yeah, and even the visit like I think that was before Split, but that was his first foray into like borderline found footage mm. Star, which was cool. You said before it's like. More so supernatural Which It definitely has like The themes and shocking images Of horror But At it's heart It's like A drama It is
1: really. 100% a drama
0: Yeah It's a story about family And I think this Might be the only film We've done on the pod so far Where nobody dies
1: I are, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> what do you mean?
0: There are dead people
1: the in The literal main character Dies in the first 10 minutes It is one of the biggest spoilers That anyone
0: knows Yeah I guess so <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like I'll,
1: I'll give it to you. You don't see him die. Yeah, but he dies. Yeah, fair. and then there's the chick at the end that has just recently died. Like, sure, you never s- technically see anyone die on screen. Yeah, I
0: think. yeah, yeah. No, that. Yeah, okay. It's it's a blurred line because <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's like the entire film plays off that you know presumably it flashes forward and he's recovered from an operation or something and he mm-hmm. lived. So yeah, it's a. Technically, you do see him die, but that's the big reveal, yeah. And like you said, that's probably one of the biggest twist endings ever. Like a lot of, it, you know, arguably could be the best or not, but a lot of people, you know, it was one of the biggest when you I, looked I Yeah,
1: I definitely think it's one of the most talked about twists in any movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that, uh, you know, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Apart like, from like Citizen like Kane. <laughs> what was the twist in that? Rose, How's that a twist?
0: Well, because the whole film is people don't know what his last words mean. Like No one knows what that is. And the whole film is people looking into it. And then it's revealed it was just like this sled when he was a child.
1: That's not a very good twist.
0: Well, <laughs> it's, it's not a twist, really, but it's like a reveal, okay. I guess.
1: All right, fine. Uh, but yeah, how about back to this movie? The Sixth Sense, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah, so written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who, as I've said on the pod before, is one of my favourite directors. Uh, and I... I particularly think he's got a really interesting knack for wrapping up family dramas in a horror setting, mm-hmm, which sure. I think is harder to do than people give him credit for. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's starring Bruce Willis, Tony Collette, which i got to say, man, she's come up on this pot a lot. <laughs> she might be one of my favourite actors.
1: Uh, look, sure, I'd, I'd say that. I did not even recognise her to begin with. Because I forgot she was in it. I've only ever really seen her in Hereditary.
0: Okay, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm
1: sure she's in other movies that I haven't just recognised, but mm. she's, maybe it's because she's younger. Yeah. But yeah, phenomenal. Good stuff. She uh, plays the emotional parts very well in this movie.
0: Yeah, she just... In a lot of things I've seen her in, particularly Hereditary, she just goes from like loving, caring mother to psycho at the drop of a hat. And it's awesome. Uh, and then we had Hayley Joel Osman. the strange-looking kid that... Went on to be in, was it AI a couple years later? Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, AI.
0: And and the boys, I think.
1: Was he? <laughs> I think he was. I think he, a grown-up, Haley Joel Osment, plays a, a very small character in a couple of episodes.
0: Strange. I've seen him in something kind of recently, uh, but I can't think what it was. He played a teacher, I think. Anyway. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, and a young Donnie Wahlberg.
1: Yeah, as, what is Vincent Gray, right? Yeah. The the guy who kills Bruce Willis.
0: Yeah, I did not...
1: Unrecognisable. Yeah,
0: yeah, I did not pick him uh, as being Donnie Wahlberg, but I guess looking back, you can kind of see it, but I think he did lose a bit of weight for that role.
1: Yeah, I think I read like 30 pounds or something.
0: And he's only in the opening sequence. Like, you hear his recorded voice later in the film. No,
1: It wouldn't even be his, because that's when he's a child, the recording.
0: Oh, true, yeah. So, he's only in that initial sequence but he plays it so well that it's memorable enough like Mm -hmm. he's just kind of this it's almost at a point where he's like schizophrenic and paranoid and bruce willis's character dr crow just puts it down to like this mental snap but really he was like running for his life (laughs) yeah the whole film was done on a budget of 40 million and he made (laughs) 779.2 million dollars which is insane Some would call that
1: successful I, I believe
0: it overtook Jaws As yeah. holding the title at the time And
1: then held it until It Yeah So yeah. that's that's a substantial amount of time
0: Yeah You know what I love is that Yeah Horror is the one that Is always capping these highest grossing films In history For the most part I think that's pretty cool That's respectable Sure
1: Yeah I'd say drama Probably does more though And that might be it Because Jaws, Jaws. Jaws is. Jaws Jaws is a drama with a shark. This is a a drama with ghosts. Yeah. You know? Avatar is a drama with aliens.
0: Mm. But this was the second highest grossing film of 1999 behind The Phantom Menace, which, fair. Yep. And uh, I think a lot of the reason for that is that people went back to see it at the cinema again to try and see if they could pick up on the clues that Dr. Crow was dead.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because a little thing I'm annoyed about is I can't go back and watch this without knowing the spoiler, because yeah. if there's anyone on this planet that doesn't know it, then I don't know how. You've just avoided <laughs> the internet your entire life. But the entire time I was, I was watching it, like, just obviously knowing it. And mm. so then it makes it seem so obvious, but then surely people didn't see it coming back in the day.
0: That's interesting. I've got two things to say to that. So one is... I just realised we didn't have any kind of a spoiler at the start of this, but given that it's one of the biggest reveals...
1: Everyone has talked about this movie to death. Like you said,
0: people who haven't seen it know the twist. Yes. Uh, But the other thing is, re-watching it for this pod, uh, you know, already seeing it a number of times, I didn't think it was obvious. I thought it was done very well.
1: Okay, see, that's on. I can't trust my own brain... Yeah, fair. I don't know if I only think it's obvious because I knew it, mm. and I'm just so self-obsessed and important and <laughs> think too highly of myself. So it's like, oh, I wouldn't have been tricked by this. <laughs> I'm well, also I, I probably very biased.
0: Would have. Yeah. I can't really talk.
1: But when you, like, all the, all the scenes where he's literally not talking to any other characters, not a single other character looks at him.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know. Like, did people just not pick up on that back in, back in when they first saw it? I guess yeah.
0: so. Something I thought of this morning as well was you never see him eat. Yeah,
1: never seen him eat or sleep or interact with any object except like the red door handle. Yeah, or, or like his like some notes. Files. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is interesting. Uh, and it was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Director, and Original Screenplay. So very exciting. Now, essentially, The Sixth Sense is about this child psychologist, Dr. Crow, played by Bruce Willis, uh, in what appears to be a failing marriage, mm-hmm. uh, who adopts this new patient, this young boy, played by Haley Joel Osment. His name's Cole Sear, yep. I think, uh, who can see and talk to ghosts. And what's interesting about that as well, having recently done House of Usher, is he kind of sees them how they died as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, he'll see him with, like, gunshot wound on the back of the head or <laughs> horrible burns on the side of their face, um, which, you know, to a, an eight-year-old kid would be traumatizing. Yes, indeed. (laughs) To the point where you're scared to go pee in the middle of the night. (laughs) Um, Which I thought was interesting because that's kind of like a common view a lot of kids have anyway. It's just that this kid is like just terrified to be alone. (laughs) Yes,
1: kids. (laughs) I mean, who the hell pees with the door open in the middle of the night? That's just asking for monsters.
0: Well, we've had this conversation on the pod as like how you sleep with the bedroom door, whether it's closed, open or ajar. True.
1: True. I mean, I I think that's just something I've been out of necessity gotten over. Mm. But no, nah, as soon as I'm out of bed, all bets are off.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that um, the characters, like you said, don't react to Dr. Crowe And particularly like his wife or Cole's mum. it looks like it's as a result of tension. Mm-hmm. Like when Cole first comes home and they're sitting in the chairs, like it looks like he's just kind of walked into... Their conversation about him so this awkward silence ensues so it sure. kind of makes sense without being too obvious there yeah. um, and I guess like when he comes home uh, and the wife's already asleep or she's in the shower he goes straight to the basement to work like it all kind of makes sense for the plot as sure. to why they're not interacting um, and obviously the wife seems angry at him in, in the way that they interact particularly without Words, Mm -hmm. yet obviously it's revealed she's just grieving. Yes. And uh, it's
1: funny that the whole, pretty much the whole movie paints her as like this sort of asshole character that just because they're having problems, she just completely ignores him. Yeah. And then at the end, you find out, like, oh, I feel bad now because I thought she was. A horrible person. No, she's just grieving over her Mm. loving dead husband.
0: (laughs) Yeah, particularly in the opening scene where he's got that plaque from Mm. his work as a child psychologist and she's just saying how proud she is and they're all lovey dovey and then so cold after the incident, uh, it gets revealed why. And I also like that Cole is quite suspicious and hesitant around him. And I wondered if that's like from the get go, he knew he was a ghost.
1: That's how I took it.
0: Yeah. Because
1: like there's the scene. Like you said, when uh, Mr. Crow and the mother are sitting there and he Mm. comes in, the mother goes to make, you know, food or whatever. Mm. And I don't know, uh, the kid just kind of refuses to talk. And I, I saw that as he doesn't want to give away that he's talking to a ghost, Yeah, essentially. I don't know. The only bit I can't make up in my mind for that is that why is he not scared of him? Like he's scared of every other ghost, but if he thinks he's a ghost, why isn't he scared of him?
0: I think it's because of how he looks. And, like, because all the ghosts want help, right? That's why they come to him. Eventually, they find out, yep. But he wants to help Cole and sort of doesn't realise that through doing that, it gives him closure, that he could help someone when he couldn't help Vincent. Okay. But also, because he's always wearing that coat, you don't see the blood stain Mm -hmm, from the exit wound. So, I think that's another reason, like, Cole's not scared of him. But also, his mum, like, Tony Collette never mentions... A psychologist to him mm-hmm. like when they're at the dinner table or when they're in the room so she's not like oh how was your session with mr crow today you know <laughs> what i mean so yeah yeah like you said i guess looking back you can pick up on all these clues that he's not real but i just thought it was played really well on hayley joel osmond's part particularly being like a kid oh yeah in that role
1: we all know i despise kid actors but you know this is a standout performance in terms of child acting yeah he's and good. he's there's a reason he, he became a very popular like child star in drama mm. and stuff.
0: And you feel so bad for him as well because he's such a polite, like small kid and these other kids are mean to him and it's like, oh, I wish I could like, be there and beat him up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: beat up those children.
0: Uh, but uh, essentially in the opening sequence, it's Donnie Wahlberg is this ex-patient of his, Vincent Gray, who Dr. Crow couldn't help. Uh, he didn't believe him and he put it down to I guess schizophrenic just, hallucinations yeah, just, just crazy. yeah like he does with Cole at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he breaks into his home and he's in the bathroom with a gun and he shoots him And what I really like about the, the transition at the end of the scene is he shoots Dr. Crow falls onto the bed, his wife goes over to help him then he puts the gun to his own head and the camera like pans right to left slowly. Jussie pulls the trigger, you meet the threshold so you don't see anything graphic. Mm-hmm. But then it shows this like happy group photo on the wall. I thought that was a really nice juxtaposition. Sure,
1: yeah, I, I get that. A lot of mixing of emotions there. Mm. Getting away with not having to show a gory gunshot wound. So yeah. you're not going to end up with like a, a an R rating or anything.
0: Yeah, it was pretty smart how they did that because you don't see what Cole sees, apart from Bruce Willis, until like an hour in.
1: Yeah, pretty much until it's revealed that he is seeing dead people, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. He says the line and then that's when you start seeing it. So I Mm. thought that was really nicely paced as well. Uh, And then you get that kitchen scene where you're introduced to this loving mother that Tony Collette plays. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's very reminiscent of Poltergeist. No, I've not. You've not seen that (laughs) iconic kitchen chair scene? Nah. Okay, so... It's, a, it's all done in, like, a single handheld tracking shot as well, which mm-hmm. is really nice. And even just talking about the panning, like, one thing I noticed, particularly on rewatch, was the camera movement to convey emotion in this film I thought was really cool. But, yeah, it's, like, Cole at the table, she's making breakfast, it follows over to the next room, comes back, and, like, every drawer and cupboard is open, like, mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity 2, but without <laughs> the jump scare. Yep. And I think that makes it more frightening.
1: Do you think Paranormal Activity 2, like, took inspiration from this and like they were like, oh, that was that was a good scene. Let's pay homage and then that's what we're going to use for the scare. Possibly. Uh, yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah, I'd say so. It's a film about ghosts. Just like I would imagine the entire show, The
0: Ghost Whisperer,
1: saw this movie and was like, hey, let's make a show about that <laughs> but a grown-up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh And I just think, yeah, having it be silent is scarier than a big bang and the clatter of cutlery yeah. and everything. Well, I
1: feel like they're also trying to sort of portray it as there's a chance the kid did it Mm. You know, a very small chance, because I can't imagine him quickly getting up, running around, reaching up to open all those things and sitting back down calmly, Yeah. but it sort of plays as, you know, it's most likely a ghost, mm. but the mother is obviously hesitant.
0: He also looks scared, like, when she comes back in.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sitting in a weird way with, like, his hands flat on the table, like he's in fucking police custody or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, and speaking of that, I like when he leaves, you see, like, the... Handprint fade on the mm-hmm. table I thought that was a nice kind of symbol of like residual energy
1: Oh I just thought that meant he had like clammy hands Because <laughs> he was scared <laughs> Could be I was trying be. to think of what that meant That's I mean, what I came up with
0: That's why we're a good team Like I, I read too much into things And you see the service level <laughs> shit that I miss Because uh, I expect the, di- the director is trying to do something deeper Oh uh, I
1: get it, I'm simple
0: huh <laughs> uh, No I think I just overcomplicate things <laughs> Uh, yeah. And man, I guess again, on that note of camera movement, I like when he first meets Dr. Crow and he's in the living room and the mum leaves and he's sitting down and he's like, oh, look, I can see you don't trust me yet. So how about we play this game where, uh, you know, I say things, I ask you questions. If I get something right, you take a step forward. If I'm wrong, you take a step back, get at the door and you can leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I particularly love this because it's like a one way conversation between the two characters and it actually uses like the camera to show that sort of emotional how they're feeling without words because it's like when he steps back, the camera actually like steps back and he's mm-hmm. POV and or closer, like vice versa. And I just think that's really interesting. I literally
1: can't... getting further away from the character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just thought that was really cool. And it's a really nice moment as well where they're building that rapport because, you know, we said before how Cole's mom is this really like caring character. But so is Dr. Crow. It's mm-hmm. just that, you know, in the, the current timeline, he's not sort of giving as much of that time and affection to his wife as he believes she would like. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's even a point where, like, when he says, you know, he can't see Cole anymore, like, it brings a tear to his eye.
1: That was yeah, legitimately a sad scene. Yeah. Like, man, there's just two people that have a professional relationship, but it's like, they actually genuinely care about each other.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: it's funny, too, because I feel like, obviously, we weren't really around it this time. We were two years old. Two, two to three but, Cringe like Bruce Willis Was an action star right He'd done Die Hard He'd done some other Pulp stuff Pulp Fiction Pulp Fiction He wasn't known for like These seriously dramatic Like soft roles mm. So I feel like this is Surely like the turn In his career Where then he went off And started to do, started to do Stuff like that Yeah Similar in a way I feel like to What like Dave Batista Is doing these days Yeah where, yeah like, he's, Good tying. Like you find Fucking And M. Night Shyamalan Has done it as well With mm. him So yeah you just a, a big action star Or whatever Just gets cast by M. Night Shyamalan and V is in a different direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think this, I mean, I've not seen his entire discography. I think Bruce Willis has been in like over 100 films. Sure. But um, I think this is probably his most restrained performance. Mm-hmm. And even then, like you do get little bursts of that kind of, those character traits that he's cast for, like, you know, when he gets angry and he's yelling at the dude when he drives off or he breaks the, the window when mm-hmm. he sees them together, things like that. You can see that it's just passion. It's passion is all there, it But is. he's still restrained. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really
1: sad though. Like you, you said, how he's been in so many movies. Do you know why Bruce Willis has been in so many movies?
0: Um, I don't know. Money.
1: <laughs> well, essentially, but yeah, he was diagnosed with like a early onset dementia type thing. I don't know exactly yeah, what it is. It is, and is so, quite sad. So he just started like getting roles and taking anything he could to make the money just while he could. Oh, and then wow. nowadays he's. Sadly not all
0: there Yeah Uh, Yeah rough Yeah like he doesn't even Speak anymore right I think Uh, I've read that Yeah Or it's hard for him to I'm not sure Yeah That is sad And a lot of his things Are just like Shitty action hero roles That just go straight to DVD And Hmm? Yeah Sad But uh Talking I guess About how Characters don't interact with him And that Sort of Tension between him and his wife That's not actually Real Uh The best example of this is that anniversary dinner. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just perfect. Like the way that he comes to the table, he says he's late. You know, that's believable why she could be cold with him. He immediately enters the conversation talking about work. Doesn't say, (laughs) you know, sorry to keep you waiting. How was your day? He
1: he does apologize. He, He sits down and he's like, yeah, sorry, I'm late. But then he leads, I'm late, because this child... And then he mm. starts going into his own things.
0: I thought you met the other Italian restaurant I asked <laughs> you to marry me at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and just like the... She's just kind of like got her head in her hands, looking around. Because uh, obviously it will be just a sad moment for her on the anniversary of his death. Or the wedding anniversary, sorry, after mm-hmm. his death. Um, and I really love the waiter comes by with the bill. He reaches for it, she swipes it away. It looks like she's just, you know, trying to be a martyr or whatever. And then... The good little happy anniversary as she storms off. I was mm-hmm. like,
1: oh, it's brilliant. It's interesting. We have very different opinions on this scene.
0: <laughs> also, the camera starts from like over her shoulder looking at him and slowly turns to look at her. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think that entire scene is one shot.
1: I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't like
0: the scene. Okay. <laughs> is it because it's too on the nose?
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's because it's too on the nose. It's just because I don't believe that people would act that way. Like, mm. if they're trying to... You've leave obviously it- not
0: been in a toxic <laughs> relationship. <laughs> no,
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I have too much faith in people, but I don't believe people act... Like, if they're trying to get us to believe that there's a chance it's, you know, just a failing marriage instead of he's dead, mm. then people don't just ignore people 100% like that. There's yeah. at least some sort of, you know... Toxicity there, or passive
0: aggressiveness Like a snarky comment. Or yeah, I don't know something. I just,
1: I, I don't buy it, but mm. that doesn't mean it's not a good scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I respect that. And uh, Cole's mom, Lynn, is like, meanwhile, cleaning at home, and I like that she so sort of for the first time realizes there's these like light anomalies in the photos on the wall. Sure. Somehow,
1: in the like t- <coughs> ten years that those, <laughs> what, yeah, nine years, I think the kids. Kids nine years in the nine years, she's never noticed that
0: that the photos come every photograph on the wall. Yeah, that was a bit of a plot hole, Uh, but I did think that was nice. It's almost like to a degree a scientific explanation of like him seeing things, even though he's not confessed it to her at this point. Yeah, sure. I don't think you can call it
1: a scientific reason,
0: but no, but I mean, like, but
1: I do like that tangible it, it, it shows that there's been something about him his whole life, yeah, yeah, Whether it's been something following him, and like, I don't know if that's. Each of the photos is like Oh it's catching a glimpse of a ghost In the photo mm. Is that what it's meant to be? Or is it just showing uh, that like Oh he has a gift in the photos I would assume it's the it's catching a ghost in the photo I,
0: I, I think the former Because in the photos where they're together He's like not looking at the camera He's looking oh, okay, at, yeah. like in the direction of that yeah, light Yeah true I just realised too That's also something they did in Paranormal Activity Where they Didn't found it? like childhood photos oh. Of the main chick and there was, like, a weird light in the photos since they were, ki- they were kids.
1: Fair enough. So M. Night, <coughs> Night Alan. is uh, the reason we have paranormal activities.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, while she's cleaning, she also finds, I think Dr. Crow calls it, the free association pages. Yeah. Where it's, like, stream of consciousness writing. And it's like it seems to be, like, the words of the ghosts. Because mm-hmm. yep. it's things like, I'll kill you I'll kill or you, yeah. let me go and things like that. Uh, But she still kind of has this unwavering unwavering faith in her son. Even if she's, like, doubtful at times. Like, oh, you stole that brooch and you (laughs) put it in your drawer. Like, she still loves him. And um, I think she always kind of believed him but didn't want to admit it. So that's why she has such an emotional reaction to him telling her, like, that her mother speaks to him Mm -hmm. in the car at the end. Thought that was quite nice. When Cole's at school, he... He's kind of leaning into the ability a little bit there where the teacher's like, does anyone know what the school building was? Mm-hmm. And what do you say? Like, peop- they hanged people they hanged and they people there, spit yeah. at their families. And he's, it's like super in detail. Mm. Well, because uh, he's
1: getting it straight from the source.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which sh- I thought it was cool. And then the teacher's just like, oh, well, no, it was a <laughs> courthouse. They passed some amazing bills here and gave mm-hmm. freedoms to people of America. like
1: Which is just another example of the American education system yeah. just
0: glossing over
1: all the horrible stuff they did in the past.
0: Even just history, like the Victor always writes history. Yes, so, I thought
1: you... My brain snapped. I thought you meant a man named Victor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this dude named <Dave> Victor <laughs> writes the encyclopedias of the world. Yep. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And even to a point where they almost touched... On a fact that like it's someone Stanley knows has spoke to him, or that he has some sort of like perception, because he he like teases him for a stutter that mm-hmm. presumably he hasn't had since he was in school.
1: Yeah, well, I assume it's multiple ghosts in the room. Yeah, because
0: you know? I mean, in theory, that would mean they'd have to have known him. Yeah, right. Well, of course. I I just yeah you know, I don't know.
1: There were multiple ghosts in the room. That's that's all there is to
0: it. <laughs> yeah, but ghosts that like specifically knew that teacher when he was a kid. I don't know.
1: Why what, what why not? I'm sure a kid died there. I don't know. I don't know. No, because there was the the nurse with the fire. The the nurse who died in the fire who he eventually is talking to. Okay.
0: So let's just presume that the teacher went to that school when he was a kid. I think that will fill that plot hole. Well,
1: it's not a plot hole because the teacher literally says that. Okay. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he says, when I went here, there was a fire in this building.
0: I missed a key piece of information (laughs) there. Uh, Yeah. And I guess it's cool later... When he's, like, walking through the halls and he suddenly stops in his tracks because he can, like, see the bodies hanging from the nooses. I
1: very much liked that shot. That was nice.
0: Mm. Yeah, that was cool. And I also liked that when Dr. Crow comes into the frame, you can't see it. Mm -hmm. Because you know how they did that in, like, The Conjuring where the clairvoyant chick can, like, see the Mm -hmm. witch that hanged herself under the tree and then Patrick Wilson's just standing there and you can see it over his shoulder? While I did like that, I think it's cooler like showing a glimpse from the kid's perspective, and then when there's an external character enters the frame, it's gone. Yeah, I agree with you there. What else happens? The color red <laughs> everywhere.
1: Oh man, the color red is everywhere in this fucking movie, which is an M Night uh, like specific thing, right? Didn't mm. he do that in the village a lot as well? It's just anything, yeah. anything remotely important is on screen.
0: I can't really. The think... red is everywhere. Yeah, I can't really think of an instance where there's something. Like blatantly red in signs But definitely like those Like cloaks In the mm. village um, In this it seems to be Like a clue To A ghost
1: Yeah well I think it's just meant to be Anytime the two worlds are crossing over Anytime oh, okay like, uh, A regular world, regular world The real world And the ghostly world are crossing over
0: Sure I like that
1: It'd, It'd be we, we could sit here for all day And list them But we're not going to but just Yeah Every time there's An instance of A ghost interacting with the real world There's the colour red I think the, to, so much so that I'm pretty sure, like when they were filming, M knight, if he found red in a scene, he would specifically take the red out of the scene so that it would only show up in the scenes where. It uh, okay,
0: make it n- more noticeable. Yeah, yeah. I think the key one would probably just be the like doorknob to yep. the basement where he works. Yes, uh, and, and I mean the kid's jumper. Yeah. Yeah. True. To show that he is like always He's got the it connection. Within. Yeah. Uh, so you get this red balloon that's kind of like floating up to the ceiling of this, like through this spiral staircase, which I thought was a beautiful shot. Beautiful um, house, man. Yeah. I didn't live in there right? fucking spiral staircase. At this kid's party and the kid's a little shit doing <laughs> He even wishes him happy birthday. Yeah. What does he lock him in? Is it like a, is that a dumbwaiter or, or is it just I, like a closet or yeah, something? Yeah, I
1: don't know. It's kind of, I'm not an architect. It's like a
0: small, I don't know. It's like what a, a meter by meter room. At the end of this staircase yeah. to nowhere. It's just a crawl space, I guess. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's like the Winchester house. Yeah. Uh, and what I like about this scene is he hears a voice and it sounds like it's from, I don't know, like possibly like when it was on plantation land or something and that he's like yeah. a, a slave that's like apologizing to the master for stealing a horse or something. Something like that. Yep. And um, kind of lures the kid in. He's like, hey, let me out of here. Uh, and these mean kids lock him in there and he's like beating on the door, screaming. His mom comes up, gets him out, and he's passed out. What I really like about that is from, like, the doctor's perspective or from, you know, other characters' perspective, it could just be a panic attack, claustrophobia, Mm -hmm. put it down to that. Or it could be that the other kids, uh, you know, locked him in there and, um, like, hurt him when he's got, like, the marks on him, the scratches, the bruises, because that's, like, what the mom does. She sees them when she puts him to bed... Calls the kid's mom. She's like, tell your boy to keep his hands off my boy. Yeah. So I really like that um, there are all these plausible reasons to why it could have happened, even though none of them are true. Yeah. Really, really cool. And then, of course, you get the Shyamalan cameo as the doctor that says very little. <laughs> yes. Just accuses her of child abuse is all he does. <laughs> Without saying it, which, you know, again, sometimes it's show, don't tell. Yeah.
1: And I also read that he had a lot More scenes in it Or he had More of a scene I don't know if it was Multiple scenes Or just this one extended Mm. But he just wasn't happy With his performance So he cut them (laughs) Okay yeah Which fair I mean One big criticism That a lot of people have Is that He shoehorns his Like cameos Into the movie And mm. they're not good
0: Yeah okay That's interesting Given that this was Before things like Signs where he's (laughs) One of the Like prevalent characters Yeah Okay interesting And uh, I think it's more effective saying nothing anyway. Like, sometimes silence speaks. Uh, This is where I think about... Like I said, about an hour into the film where Cole's in hospital and he confesses his secret to Dr. Crow, which is, in fact, that he sees dead people. it's
1: one of the most parodied and referenced and memes horror movie scenes probably in existence.
0: Yeah, yeah. What I also like is that he kind of goes into it. He's like, yeah, I see them all the time everywhere. Uh, but they don't see each other. Yeah, which, which is was a very
1: important distinction. And also the fact that they don't know they're dead yeah. is a very important thing to say in that scene that then zooms in on Malcolm's face.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did read that I think the filmmakers were worried that it'd give it away. Oh, okay. But, uh, I mean, I, I,
1: in that scene, it wouldn't have given away to me. I don't yeah, think. Like, yeah. It is just... It's just his I, reaction. It's, of it's a kid telling him. I don't know. Like, an, an annoying thing about... This scene being memed And referenced so much Yeah Is it kind of takes away How good of a scene it is And like It is Really good acting By fucking Hayley Joel Osment Mm. But then now It's just been Made into a joke Essentially
0: Yeah Yeah Because I guess That slow zoom On Dr. Crow's face Would just be Like any Adult's reaction To kids saying Creepy things Yeah I mean Or I don't know What would your reaction be Probably the same Because I mean Isn't look it? at like The kid in the back seat Of uh, Babadook When he's in the car And all right. of a sudden He just like Stops mid-sentence Turns to look In the empty space beside him And starts freaking out Like mm-hmm. I don't know Kids they're just like They they pick up on things Like dogs That we don't And it freaks me out
1: Yeah I honestly Don't know what would be worse To have a kid that Is like An experience Experiencing supernatural shit Or mm. if it turns out he is crazy Either way <laughs> I'm
0: out, no thanks Yeah, both are pretty scary I don't want that (laughs) Yeah It's like when I think I mentioned in the very first episode When I was a kid I would like talk to the old man In the (laughs) corner And my parents would hear me like Babbling away on the baby monitor i go in there And no one's (laughs) in the room but me
1: Yeah, that's where you take the kid And give him to someone else (laughs) (laughs) Dows him in holy water Jesus
0: (laughs) I was just talking about giving him away No need to drown (laughs) the poor kid Uh, And what I really like about That moment we touched on Where Cole... Is kind of scared just to be alone and go to the bath in the middle of the night. Is you see that boy and he's like, hey, I'll show you where my dad keeps his gun. And mm-hmm. it's not till he turns away, you can see the whole back of his head's fucking blown out. Yes. Kind of like when, um, I guess, that girl turns away when he's in the school play mm-hmm. and you can see the burns. Yeah. I just think things like that are a really nice kind of reveal because um, it kind of, kind of, what am I trying to say? It like disturbs you in stages. It's like, oh yeah. shit, there's a ghost. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! shit they're that ghost gory. Is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool, and that's where uh, the two kind of have this revelation: um, Cole and Doctor Crow. Where it's like, oh, okay. What do these want? What do these people want when they come to you? Oh, they just want help, or they want to be heard, or whatever. It's like, okay, well then maybe that's the key to being rid of them: is you help them get the closure they're seeking, and you know they no longer have unfinished <laughs> business. I guess. Yep. I do have two
1: thoughts on this. Right. On this concept, one is that I really like this idea because it it turns what would be otherwise just a boring, you know, a kid's getting haunted into like, wow, you know, it's like a story about a kid who can help people mm. when he's like first afraid of something, but then realizes that he has this power to help. Gives him and purpose. Like that's, gives him purpose. That's like a really nice twist in of itself. Another part of me thinks, what an assumption to make from Dr. Crow. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. up until this point, They haven't really given any sort of hint or sign that that's what they do want. In fact, he's been hurt by
0: these ghosts. I mean, look at Vincent, right? In the opening scene. Yeah,
1: it's like, how do you go from this kid is being haunted by ghosts that are physically hurting him to, well, maybe they just want some help. Let's
0: Mm. let them in. Well, I guess on that note, in Cole's case, not Vincent's, the only time we see one hurt him is that guy in the closet at the kid's house. Because, which we
1: don't even see
0: Yeah, which I love Yeah, I, He does that in signs Where there'll be like a boarded up window or a door And you're just relying on shadows and sounds mm-hmm. uh, And even when it looks like a girl or a woman is like coming for him you, Oh, it's the girl, isn't it? The sick girl And she like appears under the tent And he freaks out and runs away Then mm-hmm. builds up the courage to return You know, parts the, the curtain or whatever And sees that she does actually want help mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's nice
1: I don't know. Maybe it's just that they all just want help. It's just that some want help to such an extent that they're willing to hurt you to get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Speaking of that girl, I like that um, they kind of allude that she has confided in Cole and told him what she wants, what she needs for closure to move on. So he and Dr. Crow go to her house for the wake, right, after she's died. And she shows him this box under a bed, which he knows to give to the grieving father. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's just a videotape. He pops it in the TV with like everyone watching. Yeah. And it was like a hidden camera the girl set up when she was still alive that proved the mother was poisoning her food. Yeah.
1: I mean, i got to say, knowing the original twist... This is the twist of the movie that got me and I liked it mm. Like I was not expecting that I don't know what I was expecting Some sort of It was either a secret from the girl Or it was going to be like a heartfelt thing To like give a final goodbye You know yeah. Videotape maybe saying I love you dad Whatever Yeah like and maybe no, a letter Fucking Munchausen
0: Yeah Yeah like, why proxy And oh actually I also just remembered the mothers wearing like a red coat In that scene too Yeah so That's another clue yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty horrid that the girl knew what was being done to her, yet still just filmed it and went along with it. Do you think because at that point she knew she was going to die?
1: Um, yeah, that's the only thing I'm not too sure of. Like, did she actually know?
0: Like, maybe the dad wouldn't have believed her if she told him. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I I can't quite square that in my mind. It's tragic. Like, it's it harrowing. <laughs> Especially because that happens in real life.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and even just the makeup of that girl, like, Deathly pale and just like Reagan style (laughs) Vomiting green shit Mm -hmm. It's um I mean that alone is kind of like Uncomfortable and scary to people You know Without being a ghost Yes Yes. The uh, the
1: scariest thing in this movie is Not ghost It's the mother
0: Yeah (laughs) Like right now Uh, And I really like that Despite being quite mean Inadvertently I guess to his teacher He does give him that Lead part in the school play.
1: Yeah, that came out of nowhere. I guess it's to signify like, yep, that they've both grown and they've mm. overcome their own issues or something like that.
0: Yeah, like Cole has kind of become the hero of his own personal story. He's and become the King Arthur. Yeah, yeah. And they use King Arthur as a metaphor in the play, which is nice. And I particularly like when you first meet him and the mother um, with Crow present. And she's like, you know what I did today? And she makes it this like elaborate story of shit mm-hmm. she didn't actually do uh and then he's like oh i you know won the grand slam and everyone lifted me up on their shoulders and you know it's kind of sad <laughs> right yeah i
1: don't like that though because that's just teaching your kids to lie to you isn't it yeah i think like, i don't know tell me how your day was not make up some lie about how what you didn't do
0: yeah it made him smile but they're kind of avoiding the harsh truth that they have an excruciatingly <laughs> boring and painful life yes because <laughs> she's working two jobs right Single mm-hmm. mom, working two jobs. She even misses the play because she's working, which yeah. she thinks he's mad at her for, but you know, in hindsight, you've got to respect it. Uh, oh yeah, respect the hustle. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm not mad at you, I have something to tell you, and that's when he confesses his secret to her as well in that really kind of emotive end scene. Because what happens is they're stuck in traffic after there's a car accident, right, and... She's like, oh, I hope everyone's okay. And that's when Cole's like, no, someone got hurt. Uh, someone died. And she's like, oh, can you see that? <laughs> He's like, no, she's standing by my window. I yeah. was
1: like, oh. Very
0: nice. Add that to the list of freaky things kids say. Oh, yeah. Um, and she, like, Tony Collette's reaction to him saying that mm. is awesome as well. Because she's like, you're scaring me, Cole. Because <laughs> like, that's what I'd be like as a parent. <laughs> yeah.
1: Your son is talking crazy. Yeah. But I do like the subtle moment where... He's like, "Oh, you're gonna call me a freak or something," and mm. she's like, "Look at me! I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna call you a freak, no matter what." Yeah, and that's pretty touching.
0: Yeah, the the kind of recurring, "Look at my face."
1: Yeah, like the whole the whole movie, he's been afraid to tell her because of like the fear of rejection that he could get from her. Mm. Whereas it was never there to begin with. Yeah, like no matter what, she was always going to like help him and protect him and not think of him differently.
0: Mm. Mm, absolutely, and I also like that kind of. Uh, monologue he has where he says you know grandma comes to visit me sometimes and to her she's kind of like saying don't go there like it's a touchy subject particularly Mm -hmm. talking about that missing bumblebee brooch earlier or whatever that belonged to her um and she says like that her grandmother saw her dance where Mm -hmm. she had her own like kind of school recital when she was a kid and she thought her mother didn't make it but apparently she was in the back row and just didn't want to, you know, embarrass her or, or whatever. And um, she kind of breaks down crying because she's always had that grudge, I mm-hmm. guess, for a mum that's now no longer with them. Indeed. So that was nice. Uh, the neighbours are fucking mowing your yard by the sounds of it. <laughs> whippersnipping <laughs> right outside the window.
1: We might need to change the time we record to <laughs> a bit earlier or later on Sundays. I'm
0: seeing a trend, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's just, it's just chilling, like, the you see the cyclist outside the window with the blood down their face. Uh, and then it closes with Dr. Crow being home. And after, you know, their final session, Cole says to Dr. Crow, maybe if you talk to your wife when she's sleeping, she has to listen to you and you can get everything off your chest. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes home to do just that. And, like, the ring falls on the floor like, rolls towards him, looks at his hand, he realises it's his that she was wearing this whole time. Yep. Uh, which I kind of like that being, like, symbolic of the penny dropping. Yeah. Given that, <laughs> Just the ring dropping. Yeah. Given that he literally had, like, a, a penny for much of the film for, like, mm-hmm. this magic trick he taught Cole, Yeah. I thought it would have been cooler if it was the penny because then it's, like, maybe maybe that would have been too much of an on-the-nose well, metaphor. No, but
1: how would that make sense, though? I don't know.
0: Like, maybe he drops the penny, goes to pick it up, and he finds the ring under the couch or something. No, that's awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't do that.
0: But I just thought that was nice. Uh, he kind of has this, it all dawns on him. He has this revelation. Uh, he gets that closure he needs. I am glad it, he didn't just like fade away into thin air. <laughs> like he got his closure, he disappears like a Disney film. Uh, like I'm glad it just did like a fade to white. Sure, yeah. But something I wanted to, to mention, I don't know if I'm looking too much into this, right, uh, but I'm it ready. seems like the wife works at like a jewellery store or maybe a, uh, an offshore shop. I think it's like a secondhand goods store, yeah. Yeah. and um, Maybe
1: even like a deceased estate sales oh, that's store. Because she was talking about how the ring, accurate. you know, obviously belongs to someone and she thinks it can imprint, like a person's life can imprint on it. Yeah, That's how I took it, but yeah. who knows.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think she was trying to tell these customers that belongings of deceased loved ones kind of transfer energy. And I thought because when you first meet Cole, he's kind of wearing his dad's glasses without the lenses in him and his mm-hmm. watch that doesn't work. Uh, because I think they kind of say in dialogue that um, he left, like his parents went through a divorce, right? And he just mm-hmm. they have nothing really to do with the dad anymore. I yep. don't think they say he's dead or anything.
1: No, that, I think they say he ran off with a toll booth
0: oh. attendant or something. Okay, fair. So I guess that would work actually because if it looks like an affair, that would... Make Doctor, uh, not Doctor Cole, <laughs> Doctor Crow feel for him more because he's like going through that mm-hmm. when yeah, sure. you know not actually. Uh, but I also saw kind of that jewelry of deceased loved ones being like a comfort in trauma from like divorce and death, which you know to a degree it's a, s- a sudden separation that are not that different in terms of emotional responses. So I just thought that was kind of nice to come full circle in that nice. regard. Very good. Anyway, the technique of this film. There's a lot you can go into. We've already talked about, like, the color red and the the camera movement that's um, quite stylish, and what I enjoy most is it kind of, like, pushes into intimate scenes, but it doesn't feel like an intrusion. Interesting. It makes you feel like you're kind of part of the heartfelt, sometimes difficult conversations, which I thought was nice.
1: Puts it in there enough to feel a part of it, but not shoving it in your face.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like tight framing on a on a distraught character's face to make you uncomfortable it was more so just like moving in Mm. and around the room like let you feel it out and really understand what's happening i don't know if i've described that well but that's (laughs) how it made me feel i don't Uh,
1: feel anything from shots so i can't relate to you in this very moment you
0: don't feel anything (laughs) yeah especially not from a camera yeah uh and a lot of shadows and reflections you know you see like the reflection of his hand when he's reaching for the door handle yep The shadow that was like Nosferatu-esque when he's, you know, the doors creaking and he's walking into that room, Mm -hmm. even in the opening sequence, I guess. uh, That was really nice. Lots of candid framing too.
1: Yeah, a lot of candid framing. I noticed that. Just off-kilter shots to show that something's fucking wrong.
0: Yeah. Particularly, I think, when he's got to like run the gauntlet to the hallway, (laughs) uh, down the hallway to the bathroom. Yeah. You could just see it was ominous. And uh, yeah. Is there a shot in here that you would frame, my friend?
1: Uh, No, I don't. Oh. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if there's a shot at frame, but my favorite shot, oddly enough, is just the first time you see the church and it's got that like stark red door. Mm. I don't know. Something about that looked very nice. Yeah. And, so, and like if you continue with the the motif that like red is like the sort of entryway or the, the gate between the two worlds, it's like mm. it's showing that, yep, the church has this stark red door because the church is like the, the gateway to like the other side.
0: Yeah, true. No, you know, all, the, no, all the funerals, funerals get held
1: in churches and stuff. That's where people speak mm. to some dead guy up in the sky. Yeah, I like that. No offense to any religious people. <laughs> <laughs> why is he a dead guy up in the sky? Well, Jesus died for our sins. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. And God is Jesus, right? Is he? Yeah, doesn't isn't, isn't don't Jesus? do they say God? he's the
0: son of God? Even though it's technically Joseph. Yeah, I don't I, know. I'm not. But Christian. I thought he was a
1: part of God. I
0: don't know. I'm
1: not. <laughs> this religious. is why I'm not
0: Christian. <laughs> There's too many um, plot holes. Oh
1: <laughs> God. <laughs> Plot holes um, I think the two Main themes in this movie If I were to put them Down to it mm. Were Grief and Dealing with grief mm-hmm. Many years before We got the likes of Hereditary and Babadook Yeah And communication and Yeah the, And the failure thereof Mm-hmm. Then that's all I have to contribute
0: Yeah you've got Sort of communication Between An introverted boy Going through some shit mm-hmm. And his struggling Working single mother mm-hmm. uh, Where you know She's incessant that they must maintain it or else things are gonna fall through yes and then you know when he does open up to her everything works out and they can be closer than they already were and then you've got you know on the other hand dr crow who's got what seems to be a communication breakdown with his wife but he's too late you know when when he's ready to make amends but she kind of knows that he was always um you know she was never second to his job You always loved her
1: What's the moral there So like with the With the mum and the son relationship The key takeaway is If you just open up And have like An actual discussion You know You become closer And everything works out Communication wise Mm -hmm. But what's the What's the takeaway From the the man and the wife Because at the end Like they don't communicate Yeah Is it saying Let it go I don't know
0: I think it's It's that He Because he thought She was mad at him he got spiteful as well and didn't want to communicate, particularly with the addition of a a guy that he thought was intruding on their relationship and she was having an affair. Um, He overthought too much and as a result, Uh, was like believing something that wasn't true.
1: Okay, I understand now completely and it's very relatable. (laughs) So the key takeaway is don't assume someone is angry at you and so therefore you become angry at them and then it's this whole back and forth and overthinking thing.
0: Our brains lie to us and memory is unreliable. Yes. So if you're thinking something and even if it's tough to say, if you communicate that to your partner or your loved one, Things can be resolved before they blow up. Yes, indeed. If you need more counselling tips, email us.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Give us all your counselling relationships tips, Dylan, Mr. Single Man. (laughs) Oh God, I'm the last
0: person to give advice.
1: No, it's always, anyone can give
0: advice. It's not always good. Yeah, fair. You can also lead a horse to water and it can't make a drink. (laughs) Sure. But um, we did pose a question in the group which was uh, asking if any of our listeners have had uh, a brush with a ghost that they'd like to share.
1: Crickets, nothing. <laughs> to no avail. Yeah. Nobody wanted to share ghost stories, which is fair. Yeah. I mean, I myself haven't actually had anything in my life. Mm. Apparently, there's been ones around me. I just wasn't a part of it. Like, apparently, a house I used to live in was haunted, mm. according to my mother and sister-in-law. Yeah. Because she was saying, my, my sister-in-law was saying, what was it? One one night she came while well, she was at home and a drawer was open or mm. it opened. She walked in the room. So she closed it, thought, "Oh, weird, there's like a knife on the ground or something." Oh. So she put the knife away, closed the drawer, got like the cat and took it to another room. She came out and more drawers were open. Mm. Right? Does that look is that how it went? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. So that's, that's again six like sense like again. six sense paranormal <laughs> activity, drawers and stuff opening themselves. Yeah, wild. And I lived in that house, but I never had anything.
0: Yeah, Interesting. I've mentioned a lot how the first house I lived in when I was growing up, I had a lot of weird shit happen that, you know, both my parents saw as well. And then the next house I moved into, I had some ghostly experiences, but my parents didn't. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's because I was was a kid, I was more open to it or what. But um, I think I've only ever like seen a person that wasn't actually there like (laughs) twice i think once was when we used to go to cemeteries at night as delightful as that sounds it was actually a lot of fun um but uh there was one time at a local cemetery i could have sworn i saw like this boy maybe like 10 or younger with like sitting down with his knees up to his chest like crying into his knees Look up and like look at me, and I just freaked the fuck out (laughs) to the point where I I, that was like maybe 20 meters into the cemetery. I ran back to the car and I just stayed there for the rest of the night. Do
1: you think maybe that was just a kid?
0: No, (laughs) no one else saw it. No one else saw it. And then another time was um, actually at a later house. It was when we were up here in Brisbane. I was home alone doing some cleaning, playing some music in like one room, went to another room, heard it turned down. And I was like, "Oh, that's weird." Came back out and just saw like something black like move across the threshold. And spent the rest of that day doing my homework outside in the rain because I didn't want to come inside till the parents were home. Nice, but yeah, take it or leave it.
1: Yeah, because you you obviously believe in some stuff there. I'm at this moment in my life 100 percent skeptical because I will remain to be skeptical until and something happens to me because mm. it's it's easier and it's the most logical way, you know. Until it's you have e-
0: irrefutable. I'm a
1: a big fan of Occam's Razor. If the simplest explanation is that they're not real, then that's what I'm going with, until something (laughs) proves me contrary.
0: Fair. Well, I think that's everything that uh, we've got to say on the supernatural thriller, (laughs) The Sixth Sense.
1: Yeah, uh, hold on. Let me think about, in my mind, what we're doing next week.
0: The Sixth Sense. (laughs) I can't do it as well as you.
1: Okay, No. Yeah. So I'm excited for next week's movie, because we are getting more into the... Well, sorry, back into more
0: horror. This is your territory as uh, well.
1: Oh well, yeah, something that almost started... a what Is one of the startings of a genre, mm. or a subgenre. I'd would say seem. so, yeah. So, excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, you can catch us on social media at Deadhouse or DeadhousePod. Uh, check out the Deadheads Facebook group for any questions we might post related to next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And answer it this time, perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, you, yeah, or you can send an email to deadhousepod at hotmail.com and... Catch us next Friday at 5 p.m. We'll be right back.